This is The Drive with Josh Graham podcast. Tune into The Drive weekday afternoons 3 to 7 on Sports Hub Triad. When you're skeptical or curious, it's very possible you overanalyze things. If you think your partner's been unfaithful, you might overthink text messages you've received. Hey, why did she only say K in that text? Or it's been 38 minutes since she's responded to me. How about my personal favorite one here? No exclamation points or emojis. Clearly, he's not having it. Robert, true story. That led to an argument that led to a relationship ending in my past. Really? Yeah. Somebody said that I don't use enough exclamation points or emojis. I knew that's when I had to parachute out of that what relationship. What age? I got to know the age. Uh, I was in college. Okay. Yeah. So I was having none of that. I'm a guy who's good with grammar via text. Put a lot of periods in there. Not a big exclamation point guy. Similarly, though, I think we might be over thinking Cam Newton's future because the most legible signs we can see point to the Panthers preparing for him to return. Everybody I've talked to in college football and those who have dealt with Matt Rule in the last few months since he became the Panthers head coach have said he's a stand-up, no-spin kind of guy. Very straightforward. And what has he told us since the very beginning? He said the day he got the job, one of his first phone calls was to Cam Newton. And he said he had a great conversation with Cam and his opening press conference. The next time we saw him at a press conference was at the Combine. And what did he tell us? He absolutely wanted to coach Cam. It was a very strong approval from Rule, which was in stark contrast to what David Tepper gave us or didn't give us a couple of weeks prior to that in the Panthers' locker room at Bank of America Stadium. His answers seem genuine, too. It's not the same regurgitated, pre-packaged company line that you can tell some coaches have when they're trying to hide something. They deal with PR people who say, just answer the question this way. I'm here to tell you, I've been in sports a very long time. I love entertainment. I follow comedians and have talked to many of them, dealt with some actors and people in entertainment in Hollywood. My brother, he works for Disney out in LA. And coaches, most of them I've dealt with, pretty much all of them I dealt with, are not actors. Usually you can tell when somebody's being genuine or disingenuous. Matt Rule seems to be genuine with his answers. Like this week, he's doing a podcast with Peter King. And he's asked about Joe Brady. And in a spot where maybe you're trying to hide something about Cam in a hypothetical sense, maybe you don't want to talk about him as much because you don't want to let people know that you might want to move off of the guy, you might not mention Cam. He wasn't asked about Cam here. He volunteered talking about Newton. This was that response from the Peter King podcast. Here's Joe having tremendous success at LSU with a college version of what he learned in New Orleans. And that, that I wanted that. That I, I had studied and thought about, hey, if I do this, how am I going to do it? I thought about Cam and what he needed. And I thought he needed a, you know, a quarterback-friendly offense that's really going to allow him to, to stay upright and, and be a great quarterback. So 
This is more from Matt Rule. This is on with Mike Florio, with Chris Sims. This is Pro Football Talk. And again, he's asked about the offense, and in this case, specifically about what he's seen from Cam. And then I, I think you go back and look at him on third down. You look at the ability for him to throw the ball. To, you know, even last year, playing on a hurt foot, he, he's thrown 18-yard comebacks right. to the right sideline. So uh, he coming off that shoulder, he, he still he still got the arm. Right? You can tell he's watched every snap that Cam's played the last few years. This guy has done his homework, and I believe it's a lot more convenient. It's a lot less exhausting to take what the Panthers are telling you and at least give it a chance. I've been on record saying I, if I had to guess, would say the Panthers are moving off of Cam. I've said that. I still believe it. However, this might be me overanalyzing, overthinking the way you might looking at a text message and thinking there's not enough emojis in there or exclamation points. Maybe I'm trying to look at things that aren't there, like a David Tepper press release or letter sent to PSL owners or Cam Newton's cryptic Instagram page and some of the comments he has there that we're always trying to tie the football. Maybe if he says he's hungry, he's not talking about hungry to try and win a championship somewhere else. Maybe he actually just wants to eat some food in Noda. I don't know. On Twitter, at SportsUpTriad, if you want to chime in, 336-777-1600 is the phone number. This brings me to the Panthers' decision yesterday to trade Trey Turner, a pro bowler, to the L.A. Chargers in exchange for another pro bowl left tackle in Russell Okun. This could be a signal to Cam that they're not quitting on him, that they're committing to him. This is maybe a way for Matt Rule to show Cam it's not just talk with him. Hey, we're going to improve the offensive line. And if you're doubting that the offensive line really was an improvement, it really is an improvement adding Okun and losing Trey Turner, I would say this to you. There's a reason why tackle, and specifically left tackle, is the most expensive position on the offensive line. It's the second most expensive position on offense altogether. There's a reason why you don't see many guards being taken in the first 10 picks of a draft. Tackle, it's the most important spot. So even though Okun only has one year left on his deal and he's five years older than Trey Turner, it is an upgrade. And much like Okun, Cam only has one year on his deal as well. So who knows? Maybe this makes Cam more comfortable playing for a new coach and playing, more importantly, on a one-year contract with one year remaining. If you are welcoming the idea of the Panthers playing the 2020 season with Cam at quarterback, I think it makes sense when you start exploring alternatives and think, okay, who can you get that's better than Cam at the price Cam Cam's contract currently costs you? $22 million this year. I don't think there's anybody in this free agency market you can find that is a better value than Cam. 
Teddy Bridgewater, he's going to want four or five years. When you're trying to tank, and I believe the Panthers are trying to rebuild, tank, rebuild, almost synonymous terms, what you want to avoid are long, expensive contracts, and you want to pursue youth. And while Cam isn't exactly youthful at soon-to-be 32 years old here, while that's not the case, he only has a one-year deal. Teddy Bridgewater is going to want four or five years. Ryan Tannehill, he just did a short-term contract and made it to the AFC Championship. You think that guy signing a one-year contract with the Panthers? Zero percent chance. Phillip Rivers, yeah, you could get him for one or two years, but it's going to cost you more than 22-5. could guarantee you that. So it seems to me Cam might be the best value at his price. It's short. It is inexpensive for starting quarterback value in the NFL. And lastly, if you don't get a second-round pick, at least that. And according to Jonathan Jones, we're talking about third- or fourth-round picks for Cam. They really should consider bringing him back. Because if Carolina is trying to build for the future, you have a Jalen Hurts fall to you in the second round, you pick him. Or you select maybe even a quarterback number seven. We talked about this yesterday. Justin Herbert, Jordan Love. Maybe in that spot if Carolina falls in love with one of those two. It would be a great position for one of those rookies to not have to play in their first year to learn under Cam. Also, if the Panthers are selling the idea and the rest of the NFL believes Cam's going to be a Panther heading into the 2020 season, I think that enhances his value. So what makes you think a team in the summer isn't going to need a quarterback? Somebody's going to get hurt during training camp and think, oh, maybe we can try and get Cam. I, I don't think you accept anything less than a second-round pick for Cam Newton. That's my general feeling on it. I want to shift things to Virginia basketball. Virginia, they've been an amazing story this season. After last night, the Hoos have won seven in a row, six of those by a margin of three points or fewer, and without cracking 60 points, in the last four Ws. And it gets crazier. If Virginia wins at home Saturday against Louisville, and Florida State loses to BC, the Hoos win at least a share of the ACC regular season title for the fifth time, five times in seven years. However, when I see Virginia, this Virginia team, I don't quite see a national title contender. I see what this North Carolina team could have been. I see these two teams as mere, mirroring each other. They're almost heir apparents. Both teams last year lost three draft picks off their roster. Both teams were number one seeds in the NCAA tournament. Lost four starters from their team. The draft picks, North Carolina, Kobe White, Cam Johnson, Nasir Little, Virginia, Kyle Guy, Ty Jerome, DeAndre Hunter. This year, when I look at these rosters, look how similar they are. You rely on the older big man. And I probably would prefer Mamadi Diakite to Garrison Brooks at power forward. In the backcourt, I'd probably prefer Cole Anthony to Kihei Clark. It's a slight advantage, though. You had a shooting guard come on 
in the second half of the conference season. For Virginia, it was Thomas Wolden-Tinsai. For North Carolina, it's Christian Keeling. I think it's a push at shooting guard. It's a push at coach. Tony Bennett, four of the last six ACC regular season titles. A chance he could be coach of the year this year, a national champion last year. He's going to be a future Hall of Famer. Roy Williams, he's already a Hall of Famer. The biggest difference between the two is this. Virginia has caught the breaks. North Carolina hasn't. This is specifically late in games. North Carolina is 1-6 in one possession games this year. Virginia, 8-1. North Carolina isn't having Cole Anthony fouled in the final 10 seconds of a game because a Miami guard didn't know that they had six fouls instead of five. That's what happened last night. Kihei Clark goes to the line with 10 seconds and he hits a free throw, hits two free throws to make it 46-44, to and they end up winning that game. Virginia, I'll give them this. They are more reliable, and the reason they're more reliable is because of the system. Players are more comfortable in it. They were recruited to play in it. They're confident in it. Meanwhile, North Carolina, they chase a different kind of recruit, a higher talented uh, recruit. A more talented recruit, I should say. So when that happens, you're trying to bring in the Cole Anthony's and the one-and-done type of player, and Roy Williams does recruit those types. You you have to tailor a style to your personnel. Coach K, he plays different styles every single year. That's what makes him a great coach. You can have one year Seth Curry playing with Austin Rivers, which warrants a completely different style than Zion Williamson playing next to R.J. Barrett or Vernon Carey playing with this Duke group. The styles vary year to year, not with Virginia. So the players who are stepping into roles know exactly what they have to do because the guys who were there before them did the same exact thing. That is the difference. The talent is similar. The personnel is similar. The situations are similar. The reason why Virginia is winning the close games and Virginia is going into the final weekend of the year right there for potentially being First in the ACC standings, or at least in a tie for first place, is because they are reliable and they are confident in their system. The system is the difference. It's The Drive with Josh Graham. Take it from me, you're driving everyone crazy. Mission accomplished on Sports Hub Triad. One of my favorites, Adam Amin of ESPN now with us. He's in Memphis. Wichita State's facing the Tigers tonight, 9 o'clock ESPN. And I've told someone recently, my approach when I have guests on this show is to treat them like a house guest. You know, you want to entertain them, make sure they have a good time, make sure it's thought-provoking, it's an enjoyable experience. You know, I, that's what I say about coaches. They ask, hey, why don't you ask card questions when you have guests on your show versus the hard questions you might ask in a press conference. And I'm like, they're obligated to do the press conference. They're not obligated to come on this radio show. That's why I'm regretting coming out of the box with this question to Adam Amin, but he's the most qualified person, I think, to answer it. This radio show is based in North Carolina. Adam, you are in Memphis. What is your preferred barbecue? I hope you heard the heaviest of sighs because heard I knew it. that question was coming. I knew that question was coming. Um, 
my preference is online to say I like Memphis barbecue. That's just my that's my personal preference. And that doesn't mean I don't like North Carolina barbecue. That does it's this isn't a binary thing. <laughs> so to me it's not like like I know listen, listen, Josh, I know you're a hot take specialist. Oh yeah. Of all the hot take specialists I know, but <laughs> here's a hot take. I like both. Uh if I had to choose one, I would choose Memphis barbecue. That's just my personal personal opinion. I love uh like like rendezvous is great out here. Like I'm never gonna like I, I think some Mem- Memphis locals look down on rendezvous as kind of a tourist trap. That's fine. I won't. Dis- I would never disparage anybody for eating at rendezvous. I think rendezvous does a great job. I think the, the food is fantastic. Uh, Central Barbecue is my place of choice here in Memphis. Uh, if I'm going specifically just for barbecue, I'd go to Central. And there's probably like four or five different places, and everybody swears by their own. But that's my personal favorite. Here in Memphis, and then obviously when I'm in Memphis, I try as often as possible. I'm flying. I flew in this morning. I had a game last night in Minneapolis, so I flew in this morning. Otherwise, if I had been here last night, I would have joined my producer Joe McCoy for dinner at Gus's Fried Chicken because that's still, to me, my favorite place in Memphis, just in general to go to. Even though there's one in Chicago, it just feels different when you come to Memphis to eat here. Adam Amin, the purveyor of the hot take, saying he likes both Memphis barbecue <laughs> and North Carolina barbecue. How dare I? How dare I? Whoa! How, how, how dare I bring such heat? <laughs> um, it's it's as hot of a take as somebody who's as smart and measured as anybody I know. Last week, Darren Gant saying to me, the Panthers don't know what's happening with Cam Newton. They don't know until they get an actual physical because his Instagram videos, they don't really qualify as medical physical that Correct. somebody has to take. Uh, this time of year. So give me the national perspective. What seems like the most likely outcome for Cam Newton? You know, I like when Matt Rule came out and said, he's like, I want to coach the guy. I want I want Cam Newton. I expect him to be there uh, when he's ready to go. Here's, here's the one thing about the quarterback carousel. Like, how much are you going to say or decide you're going to go all in on Kyle Allen? Uh do you feel like that's that's 100% the option to go with? I mean, he, he certainly earned himself some run last year. I thought, you know, we, we had a couple of the Panther games. I thought he was certainly a viable option to run that offense with some help, you know, given some help. Uh, for Cam, I mean, I, I've already heard rumors that, you know, there could be another NFC team going after him. Like, could, could the Redskins trade for Cam Newton, and I think if they're willing to trade for Cam Newton, you have to listen to what options are out there. Can you get help on the offensive line? Because that was a spot where I felt like health was an issue, which I know a lot of teams deal with. Uh, can you bolster the offensive line? Can you bolster the linebacking core now with the retirement of Luke Keekley? Can you get a couple of guys on the defensive side that might be able to help you out? Uh, but I, I, I feel like if I had to bank on it, I still feel like Cam Newton's going to end up in Carolina. I don't know how much of an option he'd be in other spots. You know, the Redskins' rumors are interesting, but you've also decided that Dwayne Haskins, you were going to spend a first-round pick on Dwayne Haskins last year. So in my estimation, I feel like if it, when it's all said and done, I, I would probably prefer to see Cam Newton stay in Carolina. I think it'd be an interesting experiment with Matt Rule to see what he could muster up together. Matt Rule's an old offensive line guy. So I know that he's going to want to improve the offensive line play, maybe help keep somebody like a Cam Newton healthier, because that's obviously been a big issue with the foot, the shoulder over the last couple of years. So I would love to see him stay. Adam Amin with us on Twitter at Adam Amin. Watch him tonight. It is Wichita State at Memphis, 9 o'clock tip on ESPN. 
Uh, I was reminded last night of something uh, one of your colleagues, Dick Vitale, asked us on this show about a year ago when I saw Zion going head-to-head with Luka Doncic. He said in the emergence of Luka in the NBA, his rookie year, and Zion tearing it up at Duke, he said he was torn on who he might want in the future if he was building his team around just one Mm -hmm. of those two guys. And that was a year ago. Now we're seeing Zion do things that no teenager's ever done in the NBA, and Luka was just tremendous last night. So when you look at it from an analyst standpoint, since you cover the NBA, Zion or Luka, who do you feel more sure saying this guy's going to be the next star of the next decade? You do not. I don't even have to question it. I would, if you're asking me to start a franchise and I pick one of those two players, I'm taking Luka Doncic in a heartbeat. Now, I, I do know that Luka can be a little bit tough to play with at times. Uh, that seems to be kind of a, 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 a thing that you hear around some NBA circles. The Mavericks were just in Chicago uh, playing the Bulls on Monday night. So I was watching uh, I was watching in preparation for my game last night. Uh, I, I just watch Luka, and I think he gets on his guys a little bit. He pouts a little bit to the referees because, remember, for two years in Europe, he was a star. He got star treatment in Europe, so naturally – his assumption when he comes to the United States, comes to the NBA, that he should get that same treatment. He's going to earn that treatment at some point in the next few years. He is a star. Uh, but if, and I would, if I have to start a franchise with one of those two guys, I, I, as explosive as Zion is, and he is explosive, and he's putting up a significant level of production, I just feel like Luka makes so many other guys better. And the elevation of play is what I'm looking at. When I look at transcendent players, when I'm looking at the LeBron Jameses of, of the NBA, when I'm looking at the guys who are going to fill in that role in the future, when I'm looking at the next LeBron James type, and not necessarily I'm, uh, he's got to be a Hall of Fame player or a top five all-time player, but when I'm looking at somebody that elevates the people around him, Doncic does that. He's got the ability to score on his own. He gets a lot of other guys involved. I feel like he's doing things that no like listen he's the amount of what does he have 21 or 20 he had 21 triple doubles yeah. before he turned 21 years old Crazy. Magic and LeBron were the next two guys on the list they combined for like 14 so he's also doing things that people his age have never done before so uh if that's if, if that's the only argument I just feel like I'm looking at a guy who elevates the others around him and I think Lucas that guy Adam you're the absolute best man thanks for doing this on a game day it's good to hear your voice and keep crushing it I appreciate you, brother. Got it. That is Adam Amin of ESPN calling Memphis, Wichita State, 9 o'clock tonight on ESPN. Robert, I've been watching two things on Netflix that have made me deeply uncomfortable this week. The new Pokemon movie. Yes, it's getting me too. I can't get over it. It's the exact same, and they're just all so shiny. I don't. Am I supposed to feel – what am I supposed to feel? I got, I, it's the exact same movie that came out. You guys just made it all polished and made all the Pokemon look nice and shiny. They're not nice and shiny. They're Pokemon. They're these little balls of disaster. And you want me to think that I'm supposed to go and rush and buy a bunch of plushes? I'm just supposed to want to love Mewtwo now? He's a villain. He has a change of heart at the end of the movie. That's why we love it. But now it's just supposed to be some Cabbage Patch Kids, My Little Pony love fest. No! Don't desecrate that. I Honestly, I've written multiple emails about them taking it down. Uh, I got my Netflix account canceled because I'm not watching some fake Pokemon. If I want to watch the real thing, I'm going to pop in that VHS, be kind, rewind, watch it from the beginning, and I'm not going to waste my breath on this. God, you get me so fired up over this.
I was gonna say, Love is Blind and the Unabomber. Oh yeah, uh, me too. Documentary. That's what I was talking about. Up next, a blockbuster trade including Peyton Manning. Yes, this is a headline in 2020. That's where we're going to begin. Sharon with Darren Vaught. Keep it here on the drive. We handle our microphones slightly better than the Patriots' Bill Belichick. This is The Drive with Josh Graham. We are now Sharon with Darren, bought from the David Glenn Show. Several reports point to ESPN pursuing a deal that would acquire Al Michaels' contract from NBC Sports to pair him with Peyton Manning on Monday Night Football. Some are laughing at this. I don't think this is that crazy, Darren. When I look at this, it is the perfect ideal situation for Monday night football. And even though the obvious question you could ask if you're NBC, why should we do this, is a good one where in a negotiating year where all the networks that are involved with the NFL are trying to re-up, which is why I think Tony Romo got the amount of money he did in that negotiation with CBS, reportedly $17 million a year, the biggest contract a color analyst has ever gotten. That is a signal to the NFL that wants Romo on their games, hey, we need to re-up with CBS to get Romo. And NBC might be thinking, no, we're not going to give you Al Michaels in an important year when we're trying to renegotiate Also, when we're talking about the potential of Super Bowls potentially being granted to ESPN, a place it hasn't been yet. I get that, but let's not forget, Al Michaels was involved in a swap between these two companies back in 2006. Al wanted to join John Madden at NBC, and that's exactly what happened when he left ABC in 2006. Peyton and Al Michaels are apparently close, so it seems like to me... If Al wants this to happen, NBC, they hired Mike Tirico a few years ago from ESPN to replace Al Michaels. He has two years left on his contract, by the way. Al does. So I don't think this is that far-fetched. In fact, I think it would be the most beneficial thing for all parties to have Mike Tirico no longer be in this awkward place of limbo, but also to have Al Michaels back on the place he was once before Monday Night Football and getting Peyton Manning finally into a broadcast booth. Yeah, I I think it's it's pretty obvious why ESPN would do this and why ESPN would want to do this. Now, the the question, the bounce back, the pushback from NBC is valid, but in their defense, like they've they've built a bench of potential NFL play-by-play guys whereas that's been ESPN's problem pretty much since Tariko left, is that they don't have that, not specifically for the NFL. I think we all agree Sean McDonough is one of the best to do it, but it was just a weird spot to put him on Monday Night Football. They paired him with Gruden, which was awkward as well. Uh, also, ESPN has been dying for Peyton Manning to have interest in doing Monday Night Football. And Peyton and if- Manning last year, he turned him away apparently because he didn't want to be 
in that spot while his brother was still playing. Now Eli's retired. Sure, and that's that was a convenient excuse. At the end of the day, Manning's only going to do it under perfect circumstances. He's just not he, – he knows that his – not that he's necessarily somebody that concerns himself with this, but the people around him that do know that Peyton Manning's brand doesn't need for him to be – that big of an option or, or that that the mantelpiece of ESPN's NFL broadcast coverage. But if he's tight with Michaels, this is a strategy that ESPN has used as recently as earlier this week when they signed Chipper Jones to do Major League Baseball games with his good friend, Boog Shambi. Wednesday so, Night Baseball. Yeah, so they're, I mean, Chipper is on the books for 20 games this regular season. He's going to do opening day. And it's because of his relationship with Boog Shambi from when when Shambi was the Atlanta Braves guy. Otherwise, Chipper's not going to want to do this. So finally, in trying to, to cure their woes and finding these these play-by-play guys for their, their premier shows, their premier productions, Sunday Night Baseball, Monday Night Football, really the, the, like the go-to things. And I think that's ultimately what they're trying to build up to with Shambi and chipper it would surprise me if that's not the, at least a a, a a thought of a of a an eventual outcome yeah they just haven't been able to figure out monday night football and if this is what's going to do it and get Mon- and get get peyton manning over there al michaels is is one of the best they've worked with him before most of the people that are producing on monday night football probably still have relationships with him it, it just makes sense when you know, for the past five years, nothing they've done has made sense. And I'll go a step further. It's not just getting Monday Night Football back on track. It's getting ESPN and ABC a Super Bowl where yeah. if that that's what's at stake here. ESPN, they're lobbying for that, but they're not going to give a Super Bowl to Joe Tessitore and Booger McFarland. They're sure. not going to do well, that. And to your point, that's where the big money is. Getting one Super Bowl in the next five years is way more important than not having Booger McFarland or Jason Witten. And in the booth. it enhances every year what games you get. I don't think it's a coincidence the quality of the game has gone down when you look at the quality of the broadcast booth going down. It's ESPN, or excuse me, the NFL, they want their best games to be broadcasted by the best broadcasters out there. But while we're talking about the media, Darren Vaught, you'll appreciate this because you're a producer. This segment, what we're doing right now, is so heavily perpetuated by Robert Walsh behind the scenes. He is the puppeteer for this segment because apparently there is audio that I haven't seen or haven't heard, excuse me. Oh, is this from earlier in the show? Dug up from earlier in the show. I haven't heard this yet. (laughs) You and Darren are producing behind my back a show that I'm supposed to engineer the content for. In addition to that, Last week, we did blaring with Darren. Before that, we did staring at Darren. We have the newest iteration, rhyming iteration, of a Darren-related segment that we'll get to in moments as well. But first, let me hear what audio you've dug up, Robert. The women's tournament, of course, underway already, but it's going to be the end of the five-year drought. What do you what do you hear here? Just just this last. Are you alleging? Night. Are you alleging? I said tournament <laughs> wrong again. No, 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 no. I, I, so I was off on the other side of the studio, obviously, and and tying some things up for the DG show today. And now that I hear it a second time, Robert, I'm not 100 percent sure. But don't you back off. We're, we're we'll have to play it back. Deep. I had heard it. We're in already passing. deep in it. 
What do you That's got? That's not my call. I That's don't not my hear call. It. I thought I texted Robert and said, "Did he just say five year trout? The end of the five year drought?" I oh, I it. said drought. <laughs> I, you it, guys could all bleep off. It's also like the, the white caller. dress, blue dress. You should also know this. <laughs> imagine this is the place you're working in. Like, imagine <laughs> this is the hellscape where I say drought and you're accusing me of saying the fish. And on top of that. Or five, the best player in Major League Baseball. Or five ahead. or ten seconds before the microphones come on, and I'm speaking to Adam Amin, Robert says in my ear, hey, there was a caller who said he didn't know who the Panthers were trying to put at guard. <laughs> they didn't know who Greg Whittle was. <laughs> <laughs> I told him to call I'm glad back. you guys found that him. so funny. I'm glad you guys <laughs> found that funny. Five-year drought. <laughs> five-year drought. If All you right. think about it, you can hear it. Let's get to the latest Darren Vaught-related game we're going to play. It's sharing with Darren, Brian Formica, who's now just living in Arizona. Prior just to that, living was WXII sports best director. Best life out there. What yeah. an attractive human being. Yeah, that dude, he is. Uh, he created the sharing with Darren moniker. Robert wanted to revamp it with some ideas. So we did staring at Darren, which I thought was a great success. Blaring with Darren, I think, was really good, too. Now we got comparing with Darren? Correct. How is this going to work, Robert? Uh, I'm going to list two things, and Darren will just have to compare them. Uh, I feel like that should be easy enough. He's a very uh, he's an intelligent <laughs> guy. He can, he can find the comparisons or lack thereof between okay. the two. Darren, are you ready to play comparing with Darren? I guess I don't have a choice let's uh sure all right darren like i said before Ooh. all you've got to, isn't this some fun music it's the Wii weather channel uh you just gotta <laughs> t- <laughs> i blatantly stole this <laughs> don't come get me uh, i'm gonna list two things and you just gotta compare them for us easy enough uh starting off we're gonna go pretty easy uh water and sparkling water <laughs> water and sparkling water well uh are you looking for like what I prefer? Would it no? Just how would you compare the two? What what the similarities or the lack of similarities? However, well, water is, I think is, is the word you're looking for there, Robert. Maybe water <laughs> differences. Yeah, differences. Well, the differences between the two is that one type of water is sparkling and the other is not. Uh, one is flat and the other is not. The other is like the essential thing in its purest form, and the other has been adultered in in some way and i prefer the more natural version very yeah. nice darren i my girlfriend's sarah bradford she's gotten me into like sparkling and flavored water are I you still going into, to italy is that a thing or is coronavirus preventing that um i'm glad you asked right now i'm still set to go to italy next month okay i don't know for sure because when you go to restaurants there it's a much more i mean obviously some places you go here in the states it's you know would you like water sure sparkling or flat it's 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 a you're not going to go anywhere where that's not the the two options i booked this Italy. flight about a month ago and it cost probably between 12 and 1300 dollars and i'm scared to look at what the flights cost now because i keep reading headlines that flights are dirt cheap <laughs> But what a sucker. But since we're talking about the coronavirus, I'd like you compa- to compare these two things, Darren. Oh, geez. Compare the coronavirus to Michael Jordan's flu game. 
I this, this makes it. I told you they were gonna get a little harder. <laughs> well, it's it's little known that the coronavirus is actually a, a somewhat pedestrian virus. It's true. As a matter of fact, if you if you look at if you've got it like a can of of Lysol disinfectant near you or when you get home if you're driving that sort of thing look on the back and it explicitly says Lysol prevents coronavirus Ooh. oh wow particularly so I'm not writing it out entirely and not to to demean diminish the the significance of this outbreak at all but I'm not writing off the idea that there's some overlap in what Michael Jordan had Ooh. I like that. And the coronavirus. Hey. Like there's if there there's probably little bits and pieces of coronavirus uh, in what is assumed to be a pretty standard flu. I've got virus. something for you to protect yourself though, to absolve you of any hot take like you comparing the coronavirus to what Michael Jordan may have. <laughs> it's this sound. <laughs> yes, that's it. You're absolved. That protects me. All right, give me one more of these. This is comparing with Darren I like Vaughn. these. I, I, for, for each one, I've, I've taken a few seconds. So this is, these are good. It's like the SAT, but for nonsense. Uh, okay. <laughs> I'd like you to compare Will, Fer- Will, Will Ferrell's relationship with baseball to Drake's relationship with the Raptors. Um, how did the A's do in the preseason when Ferrell was there? I mean, does it matter? Those were games that didn't matter. Yeah, I don't think they mattered. <laughs> well, Drake. The Raptors really ended the Drake curse. Correct. And I don't think that that was... There's a a distinct parallel with Will Ferrell and baseball. Did any of the teams win that Will Ferrell suited up for? I don't think so. The Angels didn't make the playoffs. No, but he did it in the spring. So it's just like... uh, He does have his own baseball reference page. And Drake, I'm sure, in his deepest of consciousness just lives for the idea of someday having a basketball reference page. See, there you go. You touched on what I wanted from you. I'm going to have to fail you for that part, Darren, but two out of three is not bad. What? There's there's not a, there's a right answer? Go, look, I'm, I'm the proctor for this exam. Uh, <laughs> Will Ferrell, Will, God, why can I Will not, Ferrell! Why can I not say his name? Will Ferrell's relationship with baseball is similar to what Drake wishes he had with basketball. He wishes he could be out on their court airballing those threes, but he can't. Now, he, I think he's fine with the hats and looking like like a like a Van Gogh painting. Yeah. Standing no, he's there. Perfectly fine with it. Yeah. That. One of the greatest photos I've ever seen just a few weeks ago. Follow Darren on Twitter at Darren Vaught. I like this. I like comparing with Darren. <laughs> I want more of these. That's what I want to do. If you have ideas of things that Darren could compare, tweet us at Sports Hub Triad. You are listening to WSJS Winston Salem, WCOG Greensboro, WMFR High Point. And uh, WPCM Burlington, those signals making up Sports Hub Triad. I do like the idea of comparing with Darren, just people shooting us things to compare left and right. It's not bad. We'll play the movie game. Brian Geisinger will be in with Darren Vaught and myself 30 minutes from now from accsports.com. Hey. 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 
thing. This is... What is this? The Drive. Oh, okay. Thank you. you dig it? Oh, God. With Josh Graham on Sports Hub Triad. It is time for our weekly movie game. We are sharing with Darren Vaught. We're going to do compare it with Darren Vaught. One more edition of that in just a bit. Brian Geisinger is now being added to the proceedings. You know him from accsports.com, one of our favorites to catch up with. His story yesterday, a report with some inside knowledge saying that Danny Manning and his agent have begun conversations, negotiations in terms of a buyout with Wake Forest. So I'd imagine it's been a very busy time. How are you doing, BG? Yes, it has been busy. I'm good and uh, looking forward to the the tournament next week in Greensboro, man. Yes, we have plenty of time to talk about basketball, limited time to talk about movies. So let's dive right into the movie game, which has way too much imaging than it needs. I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. It's time for some kind of movie game. All right, all right, all right. With Josh Graham and Darren Vaught. Show me the money. All right, what's going on, guys? Brian, glad you can play with us today. Good to have you here. We are playing the Rotten Tomatoes movie game. As you guys are familiar, you're going to shoot for the audience score of these movies. The closer you get, the better chance you have to win. It's golf score, so the lower the score, the better you are. That's first place. That's what you're shooting for. Today, in honor of Carolina and Duke playing this weekend, I have picked movies that prominently show someone blue or about someone blue. You'll see. Uh, everybody ready to go? They got their <laughs> pens and papers. We all good? Okay. Characters right, sure. named Blue? It could be someone named Blue. It could be someone that is Blue. Uh, there aren't a lot of good movies. Uh, There's a Frankie Muniz appearance coming somewhere in here, I think. Oh, you can feel it. Uh, Paul Giamatti, right? Doesn't he, yeah, I, I'm envisioning a... a Solid blue Paul Giamatti. All right, guys, look, don't be that's okay. That's our first movie now. Since you guys want to play that game, <laughs> since you guys want to play that game, here's a clip from Big Fat Liar. Oh my god, I want to oh, kill you. Don't take it easy, man. It wasn't my fault. The, the, the old bag rear ended me. Eat my blueberries, blue boy. Oh, that's very nice. That's really charming from a woman of your advanced years. I love Paul Giamatti, I really do. Um, if you get it right on the nose. It's five or ten points that get deducted. Ten. Ten points. For my math's sake. Yeah. Three movies, and then the fourth would be the golden movie. Correct. And make sure you write down your score beforehand. Because we don't do no cheating around here. That's right. We don't want you to base your score off the other player's score. For some reason, I always have to go first. Yes, because I despise you in this game. I'm going to go with this movie being terrible. 37%. 37%. That's what I said. I got it written down. <laughs> Gooby. All right, Darren, what you got? I have 61, but I also did not really like this. <laughs> okay, 61. Eh? Not in terms of cinematic value. Brian, what you got? I'm going with, uh, well, I already wrote it down, so I can't deviate. We're going with 77, although Ooh. I feel like I have. Uh, <laughs> I like Big Fat Liar. I, you I've love never seen the, I've never seen the movie, but I do love Paul Giamatti. <laughs> Shout out Chuck Rhodes. And it's got – I love Sideways, too. He's a, he's a good flick uh, guy. He's awesome. It was great in um, uh, not Bad Boys, but uh, Straight Outta Compton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, also Amanda Bynes' uh, pre-psychotic break. Anyway, <laughs> Big Fat Liar scores in at 44. Yeah, let's go. Let's go. All right. 
Yeah, that's a good start. Let's go. Good on, good on you, Josh. That's what I'm talking about. All What's right, the I second feel like movie? I, de I default too much to like the 50-60 range, and I'm not as willing to take a leap on something yeah. like that. Your so, second anyway. movie is a old cartoon that has been popularized and redone. Here's a clip. Each and every Smurf plays their own special part. <laughs> Whoa! Nelly! Sorry, Andy! No problem, Clumsy! You keep me employed! Alright, so it's the Smurf movie! Yeah! There's only one of these? Uh, no, there's like five. No, there are several. But right? it is the first. <laughs> when did this, this come into out? A, a whole, like, franchise. Uh, I think this came out in 2015. I could be wrong, though. There's been four since then? Yes, they cranked these bad boys out. It's, uh, who's the dude off How I Met Your Mother? He's the voice of one of them, the main oh, one. Oh, Neil Patrick Harris. There you go. Huh. The more you huh. know. Loved the original cartoon. All right, you guys ready? Everybody ready yeah, to go? No, I, was, I was done there. You oh, okay, cool. Continue. Just uh, writing things down. If you can name the bad guy's name, I'll give you five points off. Gargamel. Just kidding. Uh, Josh. But I, but I was right. <laughs> you were record. right, correct. Yeah, I'll give yeah, you a thing yeah. for that. All right, Josh, what you got? 59%. With 59, Darren. I have 48. 48. Brian. 40. Smurfs, oddly enough, also comes in at 44. Oh. All right, I feel good about that. Oh, man. So after two movies, in last place, you got Brian with 37. Josh is in second with 22. What? And Darren is in first with 21. I'm one off. This is a pretty close you got, game. You, you did well on one movie, Josh. Don't act surprised. Like, Come BG on. is only off by 15 or 16 points here. This is a pretty close game. Pretty close game. Indeed. Looks like we might have a golden movie, which Robert hates because his Microsoft Excel spreadsheet, for some reason, doesn't work for the fourth movie. I don't know why that is, so somebody win this game. Uh, here's your clip <laughs> of your final regular movie. Oh, wow. That's right. It's everybody's favorite old school. This is the first one I would have thought of as soon as I say characters named Blue. I'm surprised no one screamed it out. But You're my boy, Blue! There you go. That's what I, I used to have did a shirt. You, did you not cut that? What do you, you mean? Did bring that audio prepared? I did bring that audio prepared. I got okay. it labeled All as right. old school. No, I used no, to, no. I mean, you're my boy, Blue. That's what we just heard. Oh, that, no. That no. wasn't... No, that oh. was at his funeral. I don't have. Oh, nobody's him in there with you. Sorry, I thought that was somebody in the production room screaming that. Yeah. I forgot. No, no one's. No one left us here. Oh, I think he was saying that you're a good singer, Robert. Oh. Okay. <laughs> no, not the singing. He was talking about you saying. You're my boy, blue. blue. Did you jo just say that? Josh? Josh screamed it. That was me. Oh, thank you. It's it's crowded in here. You're my boy, blue. Josh, what you got? There Everybody is. got one written down. Looking at you, BG. To make sure everybody has something written down here. Yeah, we're, we're good. All right, 87%. Going high. 80, 87. 87. What you got, Darren? I have 78, but I do love this movie. All right, your last, Brian. What you got? I'm, I'm in the same neighborhood as Darren here. I've got 75. 75. Old school comes in at 86. But the thing is, Josh does not win on that. We are going to a final golden movie. A blue God bless movie. America. Thanks a lot, guys. Uh, which means I'm in the lead, though, now. You are in the lead. Brian, you're pretty far back, but I'll let you play anyway. Brian's in last with 48 <laughs> points. Darren, you're not too Let's far. Let's go, baby. Let's you're go. Not, you're not too far behind. <laughs> Darren's got 29. And Josh, you are currently in first 
with 23. There is a six-point separation. That's within 10 points. That means we go to a final golden movie. And lucky for you guys, I have no audio for this movie because it was absolutely terrible. Uh, Into the Blue with Jessica Alba. I like that movie. And R.I.P. Paul Walker. Yeah. I love... Yeah. No, actually nothing about this movie. <laughs> you don't like Jessica Alba? She's... I mean, she was fine. She was like all the rage. I mean, circa... Oh, bleep off. 2008, probably. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Jessica Alba, for sure. When that Fantastic Four movie came out, all the rage. Also a terrible movie. <laughs> yeah, also not good. But it put, uh, is it Chris Evans that was the Human Torch? Put him on the map. There you so. go. Uh, also, when you guys are giving me these golden movie ticket numbers or however we're saying this, just give me a little bit because i got to do some math. Yeah, so, Robert has to do a little bad. No, he doesn't like good. this. We're just, you know. All right. right. Josh, we start us off. Time. Everybody got a score written down. Got it. I'm going with 52%. 52% for Into the Blue. Did you really just, like, shake your paper in the air? That's what I do. Why? why? <laughs> to buy Robert time so we can do some math? That's right. I appreciate it. I've done no, math. that's not now. why you did it, but I'm making up your reason and making you more reasonable. Give me a number! <laughs> you get what you got, Darren. I've got 67. Ooh, that's enough of a difference. That is enough of a difference. Brian, humor me. What you got? <laughs> I raise you, and as opposed to shaking my paper, I'm full on crumpling it. Um, I had 38 is what the score that I had written down before. He I, could uh, actually win this thing if it's less than 38. I think he can win it if it's less than 38. Look, probably. I yeah. hate math. It's not less than 38. Uh, Into the blue comes in at 57. Yes, Darren, you're in second place with 39. Josh. You're in first with 28. Josh wins your movie game. We're back in the winner's chair, baby! And I'm here to tell you, Love is Blind is the worst thing Netflix has put out there until I watched Unabomber. How are they going to glorify the Unabomber? By having people on this show who are actually saying, you know what? This guy's not crazy. He has great ideas. Look at today's society. What are we endorsing, Netflix? This guy kills people, has killed people. Let's not celebrate people who commit murder. I'm talking to the people that make Ted Bundy movies and decide to have Zac Efron playing them in movies. And I'm talking to all the people that love the true crime stuff. Please, please give it a rest. Thank you. My Wait, moment you is in there. You don't enjoy any of that stuff? Do not. Except the Ray Carruth stories that Scott Fowler did. All right, what's the That difference? was really good. Um, well, the difference is I don't think there's any type of celebration of it. You I think Scott you have Fowler. to do a lot of it now. Yeah, that's true. I know Scott. <laughs> but the acknowledgement of the victims, I feel like I learned a big part of that story was Chancellor Lee and his grandmother. And sure. we learned more about the victim than anyone else. I don't know any. Of the Unabomber's victims, none of them. But I know a lot about the Unabomber now. <laughs> Can only victims have beautiful stories? Is that what you're... Robert's trying to take this to a brighter place. Let's sure, do some I mean, compare. Let's go ahead. Let's Thank go you for ahead. being let's here, by it. the way, BG. Let's it's it. appreciated. Brian Geisinger's way too smart for this show and all the <laughs> stuff that we do around here. Thank you, BG. Take it easy, guys. Yeah, that's Brian Geisinger. Do me a favor, Darren. After that uh, riveting movie game, I'd like you to compare a couple things for me, if that's yeah. no big deal. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, can you compare Spike Lee being reprimanded using the wrong elevator to the fall of Cat Williams? 
I wish I knew more, like, universally known Cat Williams jokes. You don't look a lot like a tiger. Do you know that I can see you? <laughs> Listen here, pimpin'. Yeah. <laughs> I love his sports dance in his in the Pimp Chronicles. All right, give me the next one. All right, we're not. Yeah, no, Cat Williams is a miss with me. Sorry, uh, I respect him, but he fought a teenager anyway. Uh, compare these two things: <laughs> Zion's busted shoe to the shoes in Like Mike, <laughs> which were very busted. <laughs> they, they weren't. Both nice. they were. So we'll so we'll do that. They were both Nikes in both both cases, right? If I'm nice. not mistaken. Uh. <laughs> Calvin Knight was the name of the the young man Bow Wow was portraying and was even more heralded at a younger age than Zion Williamson himself although he only dunked in the movie I think once mm. and right. and it was it the the ginger bully that referred to the shoes as snickers it actually it, I hate to correct funny. you it was Calvin Cambridge it wasn't he played for the he Knights. He played for the LA Knights. Calvin uh, Cambridge. Well done. So, yeah. anyways, I, I have a couple of distinct memories from watching this movie with my uh, brothers. One of which is the way the ginger bully pronounces the word sneakers. And I was going to say, Josh, it's funny that he was a ginger because he just botched a word, much like you do on a daily basis. It's so All funny right. that you bring Josh up because the last things I'd like you to compare would be Josh Graham to Josh Ham. John Ham. Josh Ham. <laughs> John Ham. <laughs> yeah, that, this is going to be a great comparison. I'm interested now. Me to John Ham. Have you ever tried to pull off like a fedora? <laughs> 1920s party that my girlfriend threw. Yeah, he pulled it off better. He did it better, way better. Darren, thanks for being here, buddy. You got it. You All see right, guys. that's Darren Vaught, and that's been another edition of Sharon with Darren and also Comparing with Darren. Coming up, clear signs we might be ignoring when it comes to Cam Newton's future with the Panthers. This is a Thursday drive.